Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. Good evening and welcome to Business Unusual. I am Monalisa Due and today we are going to be talking tourism. My guest today is the Chief Executive Officer of the Zimbabwe Tourism Authority, Winnie Machanyuka, who was appointed earlier this year in June. I had a conversation with her on her perception of the tourism industry uh, and if she has settled down in her new role and what her plan is uh, for the tourism sector in the country. Have a listen. Winnie, thank you so much for your time. I know I've been trying to do this for a while. Appreciate you. Uh, and uh, how have you settled in into your new role? You were appointed in June, we're in September now. Do you think you've settled in? Thank you so much, Mona. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I think it's one of those shows that I've always wanted to be on. Oh, so, great. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. No, I was appointed in June um, and I've just started in the role. So, yeah, settling in quite well. Uh-huh. Shared your time with us here on Business Unusual. But, but you're not new in the tourism industry, right? I mean, you've been with SAA, you've been ESM, you've been with Swiss Air, and uh, you were also the president of the Tourism Council of Zimbabwe. So you're not new to this. So what would you say is your assessment of the tourism sector in Zimbabwe? So, yeah, like you rightfully say, I've been on the aviation side of tourism. And, you know, aviation um, aids people to get from one place to another. So that's an critical pillar of of, of the tourism industry. Um, And, yes, uh, also gained quite a bit of experience as I was with the Tourism Business Council to get an appreciation of the rest of uh, the pillars of um, tourism, like your accommodation and your your activities. Um, So my initial assessment is... The, the, the product side is the easy part, you know, um, having hotels in place, having restaurants in place and all that and dealing with that side of business, which I've come from, uh, that was the easy part. But what has really been interesting for me is the policy side. So having to deal with the Ministry of Tourism and everything that we need to have in place uh, for tourism to function uh, in the country. So that's been a real eye opener for me and an area of interest. So, in in all that you've explained, what is the role of the Zimbabwe Tourism Authority uh, in the Zimbabwean tourism space? Okay, so our mandate at, at the ZTA is to manage and promote the destination. So when we say manage, uh, the area of management of, of um, the industry is where we grade and we put in standards um, for, for operators, licensing of operators um, uh, within the industry so that our visitors are coming to um, uh, facilities that have been designated, that have been uh, um, inspected and that meet a minimum standard of what is required of what they're doing. So that's the bit that we do in managing the destination. And promoting is to, to ensure that people know about the destination. Mm-hmm. So we're going into international markets, domestic market, and making sure that people know about the destination and they come to the different facilities um, within the industry. And, and do people know about the destinations? What's the current perception about uh, Zimbabwe? Mona, I'll tell you quite honestly that um, I think for many, many years we spent a lot of money and a lot of effort um, in promoting the destination outside Zimbabwe. Um, and that was we needed to in foreign currency so that we could, we could um, uh, add to, to the economy of the country. Mm-hmm. Not much or little was done to promote the destination locally. And we learned that lesson very hard because when COVID came, mm-hmm. 
we really noticed that deficiency that we had not marketed the destination enough uh, locally because then we needed to rely on, on, on local visitors to, to be able to come to the facilities. Right. But because people didn't know, all they know is that Zimbabwe is very expensive or destinations within Zimbabwe are expensive because we had promoted that internationally and we pitched the product for international visitors more than we did for, for local visitors. Mm -hmm. So we had to go and regroup and say, we need to let our people know more about the destination. Mm -hmm. And that's when you've seen the, the campaign that the ZTA has, that is Zimbo. So oh, that's that where it stems the, from. That's where Zimbo stands from. Because not only do we want to market uh, and let people know about what um, what is available in the country, but we're also introducing things like a culture of saving, that we need to save for a holiday. You don't wake up today and say, I want to go tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Because what happens with travelers is the later you book, the, the more expensive, expensive it is. gets. Yes. So the earlier you book and the more you plan for it, the more you'll be able to go on, on, on holidays. And also to highlight hidden gems that we have in the country. Even as I've joined the city, I'm beginning to know a lot more about what is available tourism-wise in the country than I did. Mm -hmm. When I worked with the airlines, I think the default was to go externally. But I didn't know enough about my own country. So even as I go around and I'm, and I'm oriented into my job, beginning to know what Matusadona looks like, what Gorarijo looks like, places that I'd never been to. So there's something that you highlighted. Uh, you said that there is this perception mm -hmm. that um, tourism is expensive. Mm -hmm. Is that the case? It is the case. Well, I want domestic tourism. Yeah, domestic tourism, and it, it's it really comes from a perspective where we're saying, for a long time we pitched mm. the product for international tourists, and because we wanted to earn the foreign currency. So we were not really paying attention or that much attention to so the So are you saying travel. that domestic travel is priced for domestic travelers but using an international rate of sorts? Well, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that when we had pitched the product for international, right, we didn't pay attention to whether the local person would be able to afford it or not. The focus was on earning this foreign currency. But when COVID came, mm -hmm. it then um, uh, brought to the fore that we are not priced correctly for, for the local uh, um, traveler. Mm -hmm. So we've had to go back, not just as the tourism authority, but even as tourism players, they've had to go back and say, we need to relook at our pricing and we need to be attracting this lot of people, which is our local, mm -hmm. for them to be able to use our facilities. And it obviously is a danger that God forbid there is another pandemic or there's another issue that we have that doesn't allow people to come to the country. What do we do? Our default should be our locals. So we should be turning the tables around and saying, our locals should be able to sustain our businesses before we actually rely on external visitors that could be affected by whatever. It could, we could become unfashionable. The Vic Falls might lose, lose its appeal. Then what happens? We need our locals to continue and to sustain those those businesses mm -hmm. um, in, in tourism. So last weekend, we spent the weekend with the president of Botswana, uh, President Masisi. Well, he was around for the um, agricultural show. Yes, and then he spent uh, time in, in the Eastern Highlands. And he was promoting the same. We should, as a people, holiday at home first before we go externally. So our people don't even know. Do our people know what is available in Zimbabwe? No, they don't. If you had asked me a year ago to point towards the direction of Gorenjo, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know because 
the space that I was in, I would just go ex- externally. Right. And people are sitting in a space where one, they might be able to afford, but they don't even know what is available. So together with industry, we need to go out there and promote the destination more so that we have more people. So, so where is the conversation now? Because you highlighted that a lot of tourism players, mm-hmm. uh, even outside of the ZTA, mm-hmm. are also coming to sit down and say, hey, how can we make sure that our people actually afford this? Mm-hmm. So where is the conversation right now in terms of trying to make domestic tourism more affordable mm-hmm. to locals? I, th- I think uh, I must start by highlighting uh, the fact that, yes, that we have an issue of pricing and we need to really look at that. But tourism also sits at the bottom of the value chain. Everything that we have in tourism is a compound of costs from other areas where we do not have control over. For example, we do not have the con- control over eggs that are served at breakfast. We don't have control over the bacon. Whatever this entity that produces the bacon charges us, we add on to that. Mm-hmm. So by the time you put in all these little bits that are coming from other spaces in the economy, right, that you don't really have control over, your margins at the end of the day when you put the products together might be very small. But I think what we don't realize sometimes is this compound of costs that tourism doesn't really have control over. Mm-hmm. But even that being as it may, we are in this economy, we have to make things work. Otherwise, we can price it whatever we want to price. But if we're not getting the tourists to come and consume this, businesses could go down. So within the profit margins that we have and within the industries where we can um, have influence or where we can have conversations, we'll try and, try and say, okay, if we're sitting in Victoria Falls, for instance, why do we need to import vegetables all the way from Haram? Right. Because if they come in, then you've compounded all the transport costs and all that. I know that in Victoria Falls, they've come up with community gardens that are supplying the hotels. So already that brings down that brings down your costs. So initiatives such as those that we look at where are our costs and can we influence those costs? And if we can, how can we bring down that cost? And at, at the end of the day, it will bring down the price of what uh, tourism is. Yeah? So, so would you say this is your focus as ZTA CEO or what other things are top of your priority? You know what, Mona, I don't have a choice because everywhere I go, I get bombarded by this question. So as the ZTA, we can't sit back and say, oh, we are a regulator and we're only regulating right. standards and we, we can't get involved in the conversation about pricing. We have to get involved in that uh, uh, conversation with pricing and we have to help industry unlock some of those doors that have been locked to them where they cannot have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So if we need to go, say, to the Minister of Industry and Commerce to say, Please, can you come on board and help us with A, B, C, D? So I can tell you what happened during um, COVID. Right. Uh, when we were looking at how do we bring the pricing down? One of the initiatives that the Ministry of Finance brought on board was they, they um, removed uh, VAT on the cost of domestic tourism. So if you're checking into a hotel and you're a domestic traveler, you didn't have to pay the VAT. So that was done as uh, a way to recover from from uh, COVID. But that also brought the pricing down for you as a local. So initiatives such as that, being able to knock on those doors that could help reduce the pricing, we have to get involved as the ZTA. Yeah. So, so would you say this is your focus as ZTA CEO or what other things are top of your priority? 
You know what, Mona? I don't have a choice because everywhere I go, I get bombarded by this question. So as the ZTA, we can't sit back and say, oh, we are a regulator and we're only regulating right. standards and we, we can't get involved in the conversation about pricing. We have to get involved in that uh, uh, conversation with pricing and we have to help industry unlock some of those doors that have been locked to them where they cannot have these conversations. Mm -hmm. So if we need to go, say, to the Minister of Industry and Commerce to say, please, can you come on board and help us with A, B, C, D? So I can tell you what happened during um, COVID. Right. Uh, when we were looking at how do we bring the pricing down? One of the initiatives that the Ministry of Finance brought on board was they, they um, removed uh, VAT on the cost of domestic tourism. So if you're checking into a hotel and you're a domestic traveler, you didn't have to pay the VAT. So that was done as uh, a way to recover from, from uh, COVID. But that also brought the pricing down for you as a local. So initiatives such as that, being able to knock on those doors that could help reduce the pricing, we have to get involved as a ZTA. So you, you've highlighted, I know that um, Obviously, when you talk about business, when you talk about tourism, we cannot talk about it without putting the context of COVID-19 pandemic and the impact it has had, mm -hmm. uh, the negatives and the positives. Mm -hmm. And just now you were talking about some of the initiatives that you've, you've been working on towards COVID. So would you say that um, the tourism industry has recovered from the COVID-19 pandemic or the country is still trying to recover? I think we're still trying to, to recover because... Um, the statistics that we had was that the industry lost about $1.5 billion in potential revenue um, over, over the period that uh, we had the, 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 the shutdowns uh, due, to, due to COVID. So we're trying to recoup that because remember, if your facility is closed, it doesn't mean that you don't have costs. You must still maintain it, you must keep it uh, top shape because at any point we could have opened up so you needed to keep uh, the facilities going. You needed to pay some employees that remained um, that remained employed. And even if you had to retrench people during that time, you also had you also had that cost. Mm -hmm. So companies are still trying to recover to recover um, from this. Yes, the tourists are coming through now. We get, we see a steady increase in international visitors. Thank God we had um, domestic tourism that could help some of the facilities remain um, alive. We have. Um, conferences we have meetings uh -huh. that have been suspended because of covid and you see that that is what is keeping business alive right now because everyone is trying to play catch up to all those programs that 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 they, that they had set aside uh -huh. so yes uh, from that respect we are recovering but if you look at international um travelers you will find that the, the whole world is trying to, to come back. The airlines are trying to come back. Um, the hotels are trying to reopen. Um, some businesses folded. Others came up during that time. So everyone is trying to engage with new clients, trying to put everything together. So it will take a little bit of time. But the green shoots are there. We already see. So what are some of the, what you would say are the major sticking points mm -hmm. that the tourism sector is still trying to get around as far as COVID-19 is concerned? I would say the biggest uh, issue for any business would be access to funding because they now need to, um, as much as the facilities were open, mm -hmm. 
they need to uh, reupholster furniture or bring in new furniture. They need to buy new assets and things like that. They need to get the product back to where it was pre-COVID. Um, and, and that means, you know, refurbishments and all that. So they need access to, to, to funding for that. They need access to working capital. They're bringing in more staff because they had retrenched and all that. They need running costs. Um, I think funding really is the biggest sticking point post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that when we when we talk about issues to do with uh, with the tourism sector and issues to do with collaboration, there's also a way that we need to collaborate with uh, different countries, mm-hmm. people that are coming in into the country. Mm-hmm. Would you say that we how how are we faring compared to other countries in the region? I think. Um, we have no choice but to work together um, um, during this time coming out of out of COVID. The, if we look at um, international travel to this part of the world, to Southern Africa, the tourists that we get coming to Southern Africa don't visit one country. So they visit a series of, of countries. So the itineraries have been de- uh, designed in such a way that they either come through to Namibia, through to, to Zimbabwe and down to Cape Town mm-hmm. that way. Right, and they visit those those countries there, so we have no choice but to collaborate mm-hmm. because we obviously want all those tourists that are coming to Namibia. We want them to filter through to Zimbabwe as well. They go through Botswana, they go to South Africa. So those ones that are coming to South Africa, we want them to come through to Zimbabwe and and see the Victoria Falls and so on. So we do collaborate um, on a regional. Um, on a regional uh, platform, we have regions that that we've got the Kaza region, which involves Botswana and, and Zambia and, and Zimbabwe and, and, and Namibia. So we collaborate around that uh, Victoria Falls area because all our borders converge in, in that area. Mm-hmm. So we work together around that. We've got the Greater Mapungube, which is on the South African side. Um, so we, we don't have a choice really at this time because we want to capture every single tourists that is coming to this part of the world to come through. Mm-hmm. Then we also have um, agencies and um, tour operators and so on that we work with in the different uh, source markets that we continue to engage with. And even during COVID, we maintained comms, um, be it it was online, but we, re- we remained in touch to see how do we continue, where do we start off when we reopen and, and so on and so on. So we have collaborations in our major source markets in the, in, in the US, uh, across Europe, in Australia and so on. And we also have platforms where we have travel shows. These are held globally in d- different places. And we've made sure that even as we have limited budgets coming out of COVID, that in the major ones, we have representation so, so that we can continue to engage with the different markets, with um, tour operators and, and other um, travel companies within those regions so that we can we can restart and restart with the bang if we can. This is Business Unusual. I'm Mona Lisa Dube and my guest today is the Chief Executive Officer of Zimbabwe Tourism Authority, Winnie Machanyuka. And we are looking at the tourism sector in Zimbabwe. Now, tell us a bit more about the role that Zimbabwe Tourism Authority plays in maybe shaping the policies around tourism in the country. Okay. So the, the policy, the policy really is developed by the ministry and our role is to enforce the policy or to make sure we develop the policy and bring it to life within within the tourism industry. So you can say we really are a bridge between um, industry itself, the operators, mm-hmm. and the policymaker who would be um, who would be the the Ministry of, of Tourism. We work very closely with uh, with the ministry. We have a policy meeting. Uh, but so you do contribute. Oh yes, we, we, we do contribute. So 
Um, so the ministry would be like, okay, we need to come up with A, B, C, D. What are your thoughts? What would be the response? So we make sure that even as we bring policy, it's policy that we'll be able to enforce yeah. on the other side. So policymakers can sit and write whatever, but then you can say, this is not going to be viable because of A, B, C, D. And I think also our major role, like I said, is that we, we are a bridge between industry and, and, and the policymakers mm-hmm. in that we also bring the issues that industry have to the ministry. And we say the industry is constrained in areas one, two, three, four. So if, for instance, we have issues uh, to do with monetary policy, for instance, right. a monetary policy uh, has come out and it affects industry in a dire way. We can either go and engage the ministry directly, uh, the Minister of Finance, for instance, directly. If we're not making headway, we go to our parent ministry and mm-hmm. our ministers can talk at that level to make sure that they unlock some of some mm-hmm. of these doors that we have. So really, we are a bridge between um, right. government and, and, um, and the industry. And are you happy with the current policies that have been put in place, especially as, you know, the country tries to bounce back from the COVID-19 pandemic and opening up um, easily? off of borders, airports, etc. You know, Mona Lisa, I wish we had cut lunch because if we had cut lunch, we just have whatever we want. But mm-hmm. we have to strike a balance between uh, tourism and the greater economy. So what we might specifically want in tourism might not um, serve the greater economy because we're competing against other social services. We're competing against housing. We're competing against health. We're competing against education. Mm-hmm. But we have to strike a balance. That's why as a bridge, we engage, and these are not one-day events. So they are progressive um, engagements that we have with, with government. So I can tell you, for instance, we, we often have issues around exchange control mm-hmm. um, and the control of, of, of foreign currency, how it's spent, the retentions that you have at the banks and so on. So we continually have to be re, um, conversing with the Reserve Bank to say that, you know, our industry is very forex intensive. As much as it's um, attracts a lot of foreign currencies, also very forex intensive. Mm-hmm. So, if we're losing any part of the forex that uh, that, that that we bring in from a, a, as receipts, we need to replenish somehow and at some point. So, we're always constantly engaging, and you will engage, and then the reserve bank will say, "Okay, fine, you can retain fifty percent." But we know fifty percent is not, not enough. enough. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to get to is a hundred percent retention. So, we have to do a, a give and take, and then we haggle and we go backwards and forwards. And then it's 50%, then it's 75%, sometimes it gets to 100%, or sometimes it has to go back to 75 So it's continuous conversations that, that we, we have to have, but cognizant of the mm-hmm. fact that we are in a greater economy and there are other competing needs. What about issues that affect tourism directly? Mm-hmm. You know, like for instance, at the airport, for mm-hmm. instance, when you are leaving Zimbabwe, say you're going to Joburg, right? Mm-hmm. It's very smooth, you know, you go there, you, you go smoothly, you go to Aratampa, you go to wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. But coming back to your own country from Joburg at the airport it's chaotic you know you find tourists are stranded they're being harassed by uh, those people that are checking vaccination cards you know there are long queues that are swinging across the airport it's just chaotic mm-hmm. are you looking into that are those some of the issues that you're you're bringing up those are matters that we assist with on a daily basis and it's not just the airports it's all the ports of entry so you will have issues in Bridge, you will have issues at Kazungula so we have um, platforms where we are engaging with immigration 
we've just struck uh, um, an agreement with, with immigration now where we're going to go through a series of training uh, all the immigration officers that are at the, the major ports of entry. Simple things of uh, customer service, right. you know, looking people in the eye when you engage with them, putting on a smile and all that. Uh, um, the ZTA has a program called uh, Service Excellence that we roll out to all those people that are working or that into, come into um, uh, customer interface uh, within the tourism industry, and we roll this out to to, to those that uh, you know that need it. So we've we've struck an agreement with with the immigration, and they will be going through this uh, customer service training. We're also hoping to to roll that out with Zimra as well, as they're working in the in the airport space. The airport's company is they also. Um, our landlords at, at, at the airport. So to try and get all those things in line. Um, Robert Mugabe International Airport is going through an expansion, so some of those queues we will we will experience. But even as they are long queues, because you go to some of the major airports in the world and you are in queues, but you can see that the seamless. queue moves, it's seamless, it's, 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 it's orderly and all that. So we, we engage with, with, with all these and we try and make sure that these things are in place. Let me gloat a little and say, as a woman, I want order. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so I will. And, and, and you know what? I think um, mm-hmm. customer service is key um, for us in tourism. So these are some of the small things that get people irritated before yeah. they even start enjoying what we have. So what we have past Zimra at an airport is beautiful. But we want them to see it as soon as they, they come out of uh, mm-hmm. an aircraft or as soon as they come out of their car at an um at an uh, immigration port, at, at a land border. And so, so as they engage, the first engagement that they have with the Zimbabwe must be reflected Absolutely. the beautiful mm-hmm. mountains that they will see, the beautiful Victoria Falls. That end, but you would agree else. that is not the current no, situation? No, it, it is not. And let me tell you that we do engage um, and, and we sit down with all the authorities. We are very good friends with the airports company. Mm-hmm. We're very good friends with immigration. And what are they saying? Yeah. No, because we, it, it's not going to be an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. But what I can say is that the good step is that we've already highlighted that fine there's a long queue but just be nice as an immigration right. so, just be so, so we're hoping that the, the uh, customer uh-huh. service excellence uh, program will also help in that respect and also i think sometimes it's about making them aware that you're not processing criminals or you're not processing exactly. illegal immigrants and, and things like that but that a lot of these people that are coming through to the country are actually contributing to our economy so we need to handle them with care so that they come once Maybe they'll come again, mm. or if they don't, they're referring their friends to be to be coming. And these days, in the age of social media, you know, it's very easy to get word out there that whether you had a good experience and you had a bad experience, you know, it works in different sides. Mm. Now, if you if you follow the news in different parts of the world, you find that there is a lot of flight cancellations that are happening, and that is majorly affecting uh, the tourism sector. Are we experiencing the same in Zimbabwe? We, we are actually um, because, um, you know, COVID was not kind to tourism at all. I, I think if any of the industries were hard hit, tourism was one of them. And the airlines all work on a network system so that the traffic is feeding from one end of the world mm. to the other. So if you're not getting feed from one end, you cannot operate the other end. So and as an example, if you have people come from Australia, coming through to Southern Africa. They're probably going through South Africa or they're going through the Middle East. So if 
Australia is closed. It means all that traffic that was feeding into the Middle East from Australia is no longer there. Right. But this traffic was feeding into the traffic that is coming to Southern Africa. So already the numbers of people that you have coming to Southern Africa have been diminished. So if the airline was operating two flights a day, they cut to one because it's no longer profitable for them to continue because the traffic feed is not there. So this is why you see all these cancellations that, that, that are happening. And I think in some parts of the world, they're also canceling because they no longer have manpower um, that they had previously when they were, uh, when, when, when we were pre, pre-COVID. So all these things then affect us because also we're sitting in a, in a, a location in the world where we are dependent on network uh, network airlines. So your Emirates, your Qatar, you know, they're all dealing on a network. So they're pulling people from different places for them to feed into one route. So the minute they don't have enough people to sustain that route, the flights will be canceled. Another dimension is that airlines have folded because they've gone broke because mm-hmm. over COVID, uh, you know, all this, some were already struggling before, before COVID. So you've seen for instance, coming through to Zimbabwe, you've seen the likes of BA Kome have gone into liquidation and they were major contributors on the routes to Harare, on the routes to Victoria Falls. So Victoria Falls at the moment was actually quite a crisis because we only have um, fast jet and quite recently now, Airlink have joined uh, uh, operations in that route. Yet this was a route that was operating white bodies on, on South African airways and BA Kome had a daily right. flight and sometimes they had double dailies. So, so going from that, it then affects the destination because if someone is looking online and they say, how do I get to Victoria Falls? And if there's no air service there, then immediately your, your destination is, uh, is, is excluded. Mm-hmm. So as, as airlines build up, you will also see that the traffic will build up and slowly and eventually we get back to where we were pre-COVID. And apart from airlines, there's also the issue to do with uh, the hospitality industry as well, which mm-hmm. contributes mm-hmm. which contribute a bit more into the tourism sector. Mm-hmm. I was recently at a real estate conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a regional one. And mm-hmm. one of the ladies who was given stats mm-hmm. from the SADC region mm-hmm. highlighted that Zimbabwe is one of the least invested countries in terms of infrastructure and hotels. Mm-hmm. And she highlighted that it's mostly local companies that are invested in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. but other international hotel groups mm-hmm. don't seem to be present mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. Does this concern you? Yes, but I've got good news for you in that respect because um, within the ZTA um, in, in, in recent years, we did identify the fact that we need to get more um, investment, particularly in tourism. Um, and um, the the team members that are working in that section have been transversing the world, um, going to different forums, different conferences where investors are coming in, they're looking at opportunities um, uh, across the world to to invest. So I can tell you that now we have three projects that will be coming up that are international brands. We have a Radisson Blue that will be going up, we have a Hilton that will be going up, and we have a Marriott too that will be going up. So if we have these three brands come into the country, it will encourage others to, to, to come through. Mm-hmm. I know that um, uh, one of uh, one local company has gone into uh, or has signed an MOU with uh, the Times um, hotels that are out of uh, the Middle East, also wanting to uh, to invest in the country. But you know what? Yes, we want inter- international brands to to be present in the mar- in the market. But those also can come on a partnership with local. So mm-hmm. we're looking to pension funds, we're looking to banking institutions, we're looking to those that have capital and are able to build structures, that they can build the, 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 the structures 
and then the international um, operators can come in and inter- operate these international mm-hmm. brands, um, yeah, employ locally, um, but you know, be, be internationally branded, and that's how we will have more investment in that direction uh, come through to the country. Yeah. Do you have time? Are you aware? Are you privy to timelines to this? These are groundbreaking as we speak. Mm-hmm. These are groundbreaking. So we. I would say that in the next two to three years, we will have facilities that, 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 that have gone up that are internationally branded. Yeah. All right, so you have the Sanganai Sanganani World Tourism Expo that is coming up. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit more about that. Okay, so so um, Sanganai Sanganani is our local travel uh, and tourism expo. And um, I, I, contrary to popular belief, people tend to think that travel shows are about uh, hoteliers and airlines and tour operators getting together and just showcasing what they have. But this is a perfect platform for anyone who has anything to do with tourism mm-hmm. to be able in, and to come and exhibit what they do. And at this platform, begin to make new partnerships, sign new deals, sign new MOUs, get into um, some, some synergies. So if you're supplying soap, shampoo and all that, the hotels are right there. Why don't you come and have a conversation with mm-hmm. them and begin to supply them? And I'm saying this out because we tend to think that tourism is big business. But tourism is the one area where anyone can be a business person overnight. You just have to identify the opportunity. So tech companies, um, whoever, vegetable suppliers, you name it, food suppliers. This is the platform for you to be able to come and showcase what you have, what you can do for tourism. Mm -hmm. And begin to exchange uh, on that platform. We have banks that are coming there to also exhibit so and have conversations. where is it? When is it? It's in Bulawayo, 13 to 15 October, and it would be at uh, the ZITF, uh, that is the home of, of, of Sanganai Sanganani. So we, we, we're hoping that everyone can, can come and showcase, find your linkage to tourism, and all the major players, all the small players, they're all going to be there. You can come and, and, and um, engage, and who knows, you might strike your next big steel there. Absolutely. How do they register? How do they get in touch with uh, how to best be there? They can contact us at uh, at uh, the ZTA. We are at 55 Samura Michelle Avenue in Harare. Or they can go onto our website, zimbabwetourism.net. The application form and the registration forms are all on there. And any other information that you could be looking forward to um, is, is, on, is on that website. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to register. So what is your, uh, as we wrap up this conversation, what is your um, projections of, like, how do you see the Zimbabwe tourism sector in the next, say, five to ten years? I think what, what I would like to see happen in the next five years is for new operators to come on board, new smaller operators to come on board. Um, and I would like to see what we already have in existence, that we upgrade and the product, have new finishings in, spruce up the product. But more importantly, let's get the service levels up and even better than they were pre-COVID. Because I think um, what has happened is that the service has slackened, the product has also become tired. But if we are going to compete, even if it's locally, if we are going to compete locally, if we're going to compete internationally, we need to bring up that standard. So I would say the next five years is really rebuilding um, and surpassing what we were pre-COVID. So making sure that that, that is better. And then 10 years from now, wow, I want us to be the number one destination in Africa. At the moment, we're uh, ranked within the top five. Because of the big falls, mostly. 
Yes, uh-huh. but we've got plenty more that we can showcase. And I think we can build up to that if we just have a access. Right. Connect to Mutare, connect to Gweru, connect to Kariba, connect to Masingo. Then people will be able to travel more. And even international dis- uh, travelers, as they come through, they want to move fast. They don't want to spend half a day on the road uh-huh. because then that, that's wasting time for them, if I can put that in inverted commas. Uh-huh. But the faster they can get to places, the more places they'll be able to visit. Because remember, they only have X number of leave days right. uh, or X number of days that they can be away. So the faster we can connect, the better. And even for our own people, if you want to go away for the weekend, you, you knock off work at maybe Friday at 1 p.m., do you want to spend the whole of Friday afternoon trying to get to a place? You just want to be able to hop on a flight after work, go spend your weekend and take your last flight on a Sunday to come back. And we can begin to, to travel more around our country um, over long weekends or over uh, public holidays and so on. So that's where I'd like to see us get to. And as a CEO of the Zimbabwe Tourism Authority, what are you committing to do uh, for uh, tourists, local tourists, for industry players? Okay, for for industry players, I commit that whatever issues are coming up for industry, for ease of doing business, I will do whatever I can with my team to make sure that we open the right doors, we get all the locks that we have uh, within industry unlocked so that they can operate better. Because if they can operate better, it makes my life my life easier. I mean, it's easier for me to show up, show off about my country because mm-hmm. those that actually are the face of the product are able to they're able to function and be profitable in what they do. Right. And then um, from an authority uh, perspective, I hope that we'll be better organized to be able to serve both um, industry and, and, and mm-hmm. the ministry, that we are structured properly, that we are delivering on what we need to, and yeah, I promise to be the iron lady. <laughs> We're looking forward to that. <laughs> and what other initiatives are you are you are you promising us? I know we used to have the carnival, we used to have Miss Tourism. What what are you looking into? What I what I will say is that there will be a lot of activity, a lot of public interface. And I think the drive for us really, yes, we'll continue to go and market internationally, mm-hmm. but I think we need to put more effort and more time in making sure that our own people, our own people are spending their money at home or they're spending more of their money at home than they do outside. So you will see that there will be a lot of public engagements. We will have um, initiatives. I don't know whether it will be a carnival or not, but mm-hmm. we're going into our budgeting process now. But we will make sure that there is a lot more uh, engagement and that people remember that the Zimbabwe Tourism Authority more. Um, and they, they, they know, and we engage with other um uh, facilitators in, in the tourism industry, like your Zim Parks, which are a, a, a big part of what, what we do in tourism, to make sure that people know what they can do. Mm-hmm. And also that people know that going on holiday is not going to Victoria Falls and staying at the Victoria Falls Hotel. We all can't fit into the Victoria Falls Hotel. Mm-hmm. But you know what? There are lots of other facilities that are in and there is a place for every single person, every single Zimbabwean is able to go on. Under any budget. Under any budget. And we just, just need to get it out there. Absolutely. Winnie Machanika, CEO of ZTA, appreciate your time with us here on Business Unusual. Thank you, man. I'm so happy I made it to the show. And that was Winnie Machanuka, the CEO at the Zimbabwe Tourism Authority here on Business Unusual. And you can find this conversation on our website, on our podcast. And that's all we had time for. I'm Mona Lisa Due. Stay with us here on ZFM Stereo. Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction.